Well, hi there, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. I was looking at some of the old episodes from season one, and I thought I'd put together a uh, like a combo pack. <laughs> I want to take some of these old episodes and, and put them together and, and put them as one so uh, you can run through some of the earlier, more popular ones. I did get a little bit of a chuckle listening to them. Again, um, you know, they were the very first ones that I did, and I was just getting used to podcasting. But um, hopefully you'll still enjoy them. They're some of the more popular ones. Um, I was thinking about um, having the very first one about job ads. That one was really popular. People like that one. But job ads, job searching, uh, transferable skills and cold calls, they were all popular ones. So if I put them all together, they were shorter um, episodes. So if I can combine them, which I'm going to do, they're going to run back to back. So if you're out walking or driving or whatever, and you want to... uh, to listen to them and maybe recommend them to somebody who, who actually is job searching, then uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be all in one uh, one episode there. So without further ado, here is episode one, season one, all about employment, job ads. Hi there, everybody. Thanks for joining me. This is a quick podcast today. The topic is job ads. So let's talk a little bit about those. A lot of people, when they read job ads, do a quick job. They don't really pay attention to everything that's in them, and they miss some details that they could take. So what does a job ad tell you? Well, the obvious things, of course, are what is the job? What are the job duties? How many hours are you going to work a week? Do you have to work overtime? Is there weekend work involved? Those kind of things. Also, you can find out about the benefits, if there are benefits, the salary. A lot of job ads now do post those sorts of things right in the ad. You're also going to learn from the ad how much experience you need or perhaps just the education that you that is required to do the job. Job ads are actually really good at giving you items to ask in an interview. For example, if it doesn't have the salary posted or there's some information that you want to know more about, then write that stuff down and you can ask an employer in an interview when they ask you, hey, do you have any questions for us? A lot of people struggle to come up with questions and a lot of it comes straight from the job ad itself. Job ads are also very useful at giving the job seeker a chance to learn about the company. Now, a lot of jobs out there will post a large preamble, I mean paragraphs, about the company, the history of the company, all those sorts of things that are kind of boring to read sometimes, but can really, really have a lot of important information that you can use. For example, let's say the company that you're applying to is environmentally friendly, or they do a lot of work in the community. Maybe they sponsor some local sports teams or you know items like that. If that's the case, and those things speak to you, then even if you're not qualified for the job that they're advertising for, you can think to yourself, well, this is a good company to work for. So maybe if another position comes up, I'm going to consider applying because they do a lot of great things. Job ads are also good at letting you know whether or not uh, a job is being posted through a temp agency. And for some people, it may not matter. Some people, if you just want to get working, you don't really care if, if it's being posted by a temp agency. But some people want something more permanent. So if you see language in the job ad, like, you know, it's being posted for an unnamed company, or if it mentions temporary to permanent, if you see that kind of language, or if it does say direct hire, I mean, direct hire is is good if a temp agency is doing it because they're not really involved much past 
forwarding your information off. But if you see language like that, then you'll know that perhaps it's a temp agency that's posting a job on behalf of a company. And like I said, if, if it doesn't matter to you that it's a temp agency, then great. But if it does matter, then those are the kinds of things you want to look for. So that's pretty well it. I just wanted to highlight some of the things that you can learn from job ads, some of the th questions you can pull to ask an employer down the road. And I really, really hope that you'll consider spending a little bit more time each job ad you read, try to pull out as much information as you can, and don't just look for what they're telling you, look for what they're not telling you. So that's it. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that your job search goes well, and best of luck to you. Alright, so that'll do it for the first episode in this rerun package from season one. That was job ads, and now uh, let's move on and get into job searching, episode two, season one. Hi there and welcome. I'm glad you could join me today. Hopefully your day is going great. So far, the topic for today is going to be job search. Sort of an overview of tips that you can use to help yourself stay organized and get the best out of your job search. So the first thing I'd want to talk about is to stay task oriented. So what that means, what I mean by that, of course, is once you're ready to job search, focus in on one task at a time. So the first thing you want to do is your resume. You need to update your resume. You need to add your previous job experience on there. And also, don't forget about your cover letter. You're going to want to update that. Even if your previous position didn't end well, you still want to pull out some positives so you can add what experiences you had there and put them on your cover letter. The next thing you want to do, and it's a very, very important thing, is to sit down and think about benchmarks, your basic job search goals. What is it you want to do? Where do you want to work? What industry do you want to work in? Are you going to switch industries? If you decide that you do want to switch industries, do you have enough transferable skills or experience? You want to think about all those things. And it's very important because you're going to refer back to these benchmarks several times, I'm sure, during your job search. And after you've done that, and I don't mean to gloss over it. I mean, you need to really do need to spend some time doing it. But after you've done that, you need to stick to a routine. So get a routine and stick to it. Very important when you're job searching because you're treating it like you have a job. Your job is job searching. So an example of a routine could be, you know, in the morning, you know, get up, get dressed, very important steps. And then maybe when you start to, to job search, just look for postings, spend some time, look for postings, and then grade them. And how are you going to grade them? Well, you're going to grade them against your benchmarks. You know, is it too far away? Is it not enough money, perhaps? So look back to your benchmarks and consider whether or not they, they meet your standard. And you can use a simple grading system if you want. Give them an A, B, C, or D so you know the priority when you want to uh, apply. So a good segue into the next section. You're going to want to apply for a few of these jobs. And just please, as a tip, consider quality over quantity. Don't be that person that wakes up and they blind carbon copy 100, employ, uh, 100 employers and thinks, well, I'm done job searching for the day. Now, if, if you're capable of doing three to five high quality applications a day, then that's 
what you do. If you can do more than that, great. But don't waste your own time doing poor applications because they're not going to get looked at and you really are wasting your time. After that, take a lunch break. Just it's like it's a normal work day. Take a lunch break, have some lunch, watch some Netflix, do whatever you're going to do, and then get settled in for your afternoon. And, you know, an afternoon example routine could be follow up with some old applications. You know, call companies that you've applied for and see if they've got your resume, see if you can obtain any information. And then after that, you may want to send some cold emails or do some cold calling. And I will do a separate podcast about this skill set because it is a skill set knowing when to call and 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 which places to call and how to form formulate a, a decent email those sorts of things i i will do another podcast about that but maybe you spend some time in the afternoon cold calling places and that could be your routine after that stop stop that's your day you can only do so much in a day and you want to be very careful that you don't burn yourself out a very important aspect of job searching of course is is staying organized so have something have a spreadsheet have a paper copy something to track where you've applied but don't just track where you've applied you need other details too you need to know how did you apply was it an online application did you send your resume in did you call and then what happened did you talk to somebody did you get an interview what happened at the interview as much information as you can get as possible because if you are a very detail oriented person then you can look back and see patterns like well when i when i did online applications i did a little bit better so maybe try to seek out more places that just do online applications however you want to tailor your job search that's totally up to you and the other important aspect of why you want to keep track of this stuff is because sometimes employers take a long time to call you back so if you apply to a place two weeks ago and they're just calling you back to say, hey, listen, loved your application. I want to sit down and have an interview. You don't want to be like, well, who are you, who are you guys? I don't know who you are. So make that's why you want to have that tracked and have it handy. Just a couple of final points here. Job searching is a full-time job. You need to treat it as if it's a full-time job. Even if you're only looking for part-time work, your job search is a full-time job. So treat it like that. You get out of it what you put into it. I know that's an old cliche, but it's totally true when it comes to job searching. On the back side of that, though, please keep your mental health in mind. It's very stressful to job search. You've just experienced a life-changing event. If you've lost your job, or perhaps you have never had a job before, or you've just graduated from school and you're looking for work, mental health is very important. And this is another topic where I'm going to do a specific podcast. Uh, you have to keep in mind that sometimes you need to take a break. And I know it's hard if, if you're not working, but if you're getting overwhelmed, then make sure that you understand that yourself enough to take a break. But like I said, I, I really do want to do a separate podcast about mental health and job searching. So that's all for today. I know it's a quick sample of a couple little things you can do to keep yourself organized on your job search. Hopefully your job search goes well and you find something soon. And again, best of luck to you. just about does it for job searching that was episode two of season one and we're going to move on now and talk about transferable skills or portable skills episode actually it wasn't episode three i skipped one so but of this recap episode three let's talk about transferable skills
welcome. I'm so glad you could join me for another podcast. The topic for today is transferable skills, or they could also be called portable skills. So why are transferable or portable skills great? Well, they're great for a lot of reasons. One thing that we should know about them, though, is they can be either hard skills, so things you can be taught, or they can be soft skills as well. Personality traits, they can be taught, but a lot of times they're gained with experience. Just want to provide a couple of examples for what transferable or portable skills can be. I use truck driving a lot as an example because it is very applicable. But if you have, in Ontario, I'm using the terms for Ontario, if you have an ACZ license, you can drive tractor trailer, you can drive a D-class truck, so a straight truck like a garbage truck, you can drive a city bus, or you can drive highway buses. So there's lots of variety there. So if you're on the highway and you want to maybe get more of a local job or if you want just want to switch all together and drive buses well you can do that if you have that license a good example for soft skills when it comes to transferable or portable skills are things like leadership problem solving communication these are all great great things and if you've developed that part of your skill set over time you can take it with you anywhere portable skills are even more valuable today than ever mostly because of COVID-19, unfortunately. A lot of industries have been really heavily impacted and may never be the same again. But some people just want to switch. They just want a new challenge and they want to move on to do something else so they can take some of those skills with them to their next opportunity. I want to explain a couple of techniques that you can use when it comes to your cover letter and resume to show an employer that you are wanting to change gears and use your transferable skills for something else. First of all, your cover letter. You want to explain to an employer how your skill set will make you a great fit. So you're going to need to do some research on the industry you're wanting to move to so that you can take your experiences and hard skills and just really show them on that letter, tell them on the letter, how uh, you'd be a great fit. So it's not super difficult to explain in your cover letter because you're just literally telling them that, listen, I did this and I'd be great at your place because... You know, it's the same kind of scenario. For your resume, it's a little bit more difficult, but not really. Just make sure that your skills are in your skills section. Your transferable skills are right there in your skills section. Or whatever you call it on your resume. Not everybody calls it a skills section. The point is, make sure it's not buried on page two. Make sure it's right out there so they can see um, your list of things you know how to do. Now also, if you have an objective or profile statement at the top of your resume say in there that you're wanting to change so it's it's right there and this provides some good repetition so sometimes people think that repeating things on a cover letter resume isn't a good thing but this kind of subtle repetition will really get your point across so that's all the material i have for you today again if you are job searching i wish you the best of luck and i hope you find something soon find the job of your dreams thanks a lot for listening So that was the end of a very important episode that I did about transferable skills. Uh, we're going to move on to the last one now. And when I went back and reviewed it, I noticed that the audio quality wasn't as great. So I do apologize about that. Um, I got one job. That's to make sure that the uh, audio is good in a podcast. But anyways, I was a rookie. I was just starting out. So uh, the last episode we're going to listen to 
is going to be cold calling. Very important topic. Oh, I, I know I say that a lot, but one of my favorite topics and a very important skill to have. So finally, the last episode is cold calling. topic for today is going to be cold calling. I promised I would do a separate podcast just on this topic, so here it is. So, let's get into it. So, what is a cold call exactly? Well, it's just a, an attempt to contact an employer when you don't know if they're hiring, and certainly you don't have an appointment. So, you're just totally calling up a stranger out of the blue to find out if you can work for them. There's a great benefit to cold calling, that most people don't realize and that's the fact that a lot of employers out there now don't actually post their jobs online. I shouldn't say a lot but there are employers out there that don't post their jobs online because they don't want to sift through potentially 50 to 100 resumes uh, especially if they only have one spot to fill. It's a lot of work to do that. So they rely on the hidden job market and word of mouth to fill their positions. So you could stumble into an opportunity without even knowing it. There's of course three main methods of cold calling a company. You can email them, which is a little bit less invasive. They can respond to your email or not respond to it as they see fit. A little bit more effectively sometimes though is to actually visit a place. And then the last method of course is to call them on the phone, which probably is the least common of all methods nowadays, but still effective. One thing you're gonna wanna do for sure before you go and call an employer is to do a tiny little bit of research. Do some research on the internet, that's usually good enough. Just find out about how your skills will fit into the different jobs they have. And then one other piece of research you may wanna do is to try to figure out uh, a direct contact. It's a lot better to address your email or phone call, whatever, to a specific person than it is just to have a general inquiry. So if you're gonna pick the method of calling someone on the phone, you want to make sure that you're not calling at an awkward time. For example, if you're calling a restaurant, don't call during the breakfast or lunch or dinner rush because you're not likely to get somebody that's going to be able to have a couple of minutes to talk to you. So make sure that you know the industry that you're calling a little bit and pick a good time. I guess another example is maybe don't call an accounting firm at month end because no one's going to have time to talk to you. And on your phone call as well, just be brief. You use some of the research that you've done to make a concise elevator pitch so you can deliver that quickly and have the person that you have on the phone make their mind up relatively quickly without having to listen to a 10-minute speech about how great you are, which you probably are great, but they don't know that you're going to call, don't forget. So they probably don't have 10 or 12 minutes to listen to how great you are. So if you're going to go somewhere in person, there's I only have a couple of tips for this one really, but it's just make sure that you're you've dressed appropriately. And I know that could mean a thousand different things to a thousand different people. But what I mean by that, the most concise way to say it is dress as if you're going to be working there that day. That's the best way I can put it. Another thing to consider when going somewhere in person, it, it, try to be alone. Try to be by yourself. And I'm saying, I know it sounds weird to say that, but I, I'm saying it I know because, because of the pandemic, a lot of people don't really have the option to go places on their own sometimes. But the best way to do it is to go by yourself because... You never know if you're going to be asked to do an on-the-spot interview, which of course would be a goal of yours. 
you want to go in and make a good impression and see if anyone has time to, to talk to you. And it's a lot harder to do that if you've had to take somebody with you. One more thing to consider if you're going to go somewhere in person is that they may have a manual style application form. Many companies have gone to online application forms, but some companies will still have one that you have to fill out in person. So I know that might not be the, the best thing that you want to do and you went there all pumped up wanting to talk to somebody, but you might be asked to do an application. Just don't let your body language do the talking for you. You might be disappointed, but just fill in the application and, and hand it in, hopefully with the resume too. And with the application part, please keep in mind too, if you do see an online application, it might not be a good idea to go visit the place in person because they might just say, oh, just to fill out our online application and that could be the end of your visit. So I'm not saying it's a waste of time because it's sometimes good to have a face-to-face -face contact with someone, but you may not get to that interview stage if you have already filled out or, or they have an online application. And finally, just a little bit about email cold calls. One thing you're going to want to do is, again, it just goes with all the methods really, but you want to be brief. So be brief, be concise, and make sure that you put the best language in the email to make it about the employer. Now, what do I mean by that? It, I just mean that instead of going on and on about how great you are again, just like before, if you were meeting in person, just have a few lines and make the language about the employer. Tell them how them hiring you will benefit them. Obviously, getting a job, finding employment is going to benefit you. Just try to spin that, though, in the email to say, listen, if you hire me, this is what you're getting. So it's a really great decision on your part um, to hire me. Like that kind of attitude is what you want to convey in your email. And like I said, it should be a short email. Um, again, no employer is going to read five or six paragraphs about you. Make it about them. Make it short. Make them realize, yes, I am available for work. I have a great skill set and I can fit in there very well. Now, you're not obviously going to get an on-the-spot uh, interview or anything like that, but if you've caught their attention enough, then hopefully they'll email you back and you can move on in the hiring process. Now, it, it's also uh, worth saying, too, even just the subject line. I mean, there's tons of people out there on the Internet that go and talk about the best ways to, uh, to make cold emails, uh, not just what I'm saying right now, but even the subject line of your email should be short, concise. It should be something like employment or it should be le as less, you know, less is more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Don't have a big, long subject line because you could turn the person off right away. But I do encourage you to go out and look at some other people's uh, podcasts about uh, cold emailing because there's some really great ones out there. Now, just some final thoughts again. The goal of any of these methods is to make a good enough impression that you can either do an on-the-spot interview or attract enough attention that you make contact with somebody, somebody that is responsible for doing the hiring. So if you do manage to make an impression on someone, just make sure in your head you're mentally prepared for that on-the-spot interview. But if you can't get a hold of someone and you get a bit of a negative response, just try not to let it end there. Make sure you can try to leave a resume. Make sure you can leave some kind of impression on the employer. And if it goes further and the employer is really negative, like they are just not hiring, they don't want to talk to you, they don't have time to talk to you, try not to push that too much. You don't want to leave a negative. You don't want to have the opposite effect and leave a negative impact on the employer. So, so if the empl employer is being very, very negative and they're not hiring, then just take a second, thank them for their time, and just leave it at that. So that's all for today. I just wanted to reiterate, though, how important a skill cold calling is. 
for lots of reasons. It helps you build your confidence and be able to speak to people that you don't really know because in interviews, that's kind of how it is too. But it can also give you a big lift in your job search if you feel like you've hit a wall, if you don't see a lot of job postings in your field on Indeed or any of the other major uh, sites. If you can cold call places, you can tap into that hidden job market, you can make an impression on employers that maybe are hiring that you didn't know about, and all kinds of great things can happen with cold calls. It can also even just help build your network a little bit. If you make a good enough impression on an employer and they're not hiring, well, they may remember you and forward your information onto someone else. So all, all great things can happen if you practice cold calling. I hope you have a great day. I hope your job search goes well and you do find that dream job. And if you do have any questions for me, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Don't forget, just visit the website or email, call, whatever, and I'll try to get back to you with any questions, to answer any questions you have. But anyways, hope you have a great day and until next time. Okay, well, that concludes my trip down memory lane there with my first few episodes that I recorded. I, I always think it's so funny when I go back and listen to them at the beginning of each one, I don't identify them as episodes. I say, hey, welcome to my, you know, this podcast or, you know, thanks for tuning into this podcast. It's funny, they're, they're episodes, but anyways, silly little things and stuff you learn along the way. So I hope everybody has learned a few things along the way and definitely tune in to season two we've got some great content and a little bit better quality in season two um yeah i mean i just i hope everybody is, is doing well if you are job searching good luck and if you know anyone that's job searching get them to listen to all about employment by dc recruiting that's me i'm your host dave cruciola have a great rest of your day and until next time in season two